0: Out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode. Perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games. If you already have OTP 19 then you have perfect team. Just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side. And you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Eucher and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said snuffy sternweiss. that's a real player once you have your team you build your lineups you build your rotation you pick the strategy that you want you want to run a small ball team you want to be a full saber matrician you want to be somewhere in between you want to run an unorthodox you can choose you know how often that you're stealing how often you're using shifts the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers a lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team, and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday, with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level? Or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 646 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, February 17th, and it's time for another Fireside Chat. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going?
1: What is happening? Great to be back. And uh, did you have a nice Valentine's Day?
0: I sure did. Um, I took I took my girlfriend to In and Out, which some of you might say, you know, you're cheap, you're lame. She couldn't have been more happy. <laughs> she loves that place. She knows I don't quite care for it, so it, there was there was like a little bit of a sacrifice there. I'm, I'm I'm a Whataburger guy. The hilarious, demented aspect of it is she doesn't even eat meat, so for her to uh, <laughs> Lawed in and out the way she does and trash water burger is hilarious because uh she doesn't eat burgers but she might listen to this she always she likes to listen to the pod not to support the pod to hear if she gets talked about so there you go uh but no we had a good time i know you were out you traveled for valentine's day I so did. you 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 win even even more there you went to go visit your gf she's out doing something tell us about your valentine's
1: uh day. yeah she's in she's in denver colorado uh so it was it was nice and laid back just uh a, just a nice day went to a fresh french restaurant at the end of it uh, actually went very to the arcade cool. a moment it was a lot of fun. oh
0: it was a good day. very good very good so yeah that's why we weren't together on thursday i'd forgotten i believe you had mentioned that you were going out there and i just didn't remember so when i promised you for thursday to the listeners i forgot but i went solo and we're already back on sunday so you only have to wait until next week and we came up with i think a pretty interesting topic here uh, what we're going to be looking at is the biggest differ- differentials in min-pick and max-pick. So basically the highest guys have gone and the lowest. Now, there are some cutoffs, and we're, we're not going through all of them. We're, we're just picking some. So it actually ended up being – I wanted to kind of stay within the top 200 picks because we talk about the glob, whatever you want to name it. it the, the divergence going to get crazy after a while, and there could be a 150-pick difference from somebody drafted in the 300 range. So we're really staying focused on the top 200. And uh, we're looking at 30 plus spots here because that's two rounds. That's going to have some significant difference there uh, in this particular range. And we picked three guys apiece. So we're going to start with the, with the guy who stands out clear above the rest. Now, the threshold that we're using is the average draft position for the NFBC per usual starting on February 1st and looking at the online championship. I purposely went with the online championship because that is a, a played-out league that is not the 50-round draft and hold, and I think it's a little bit different. Um, you're going to be a little bit tighter with what you draft because you don't have that depth of reserve. You're not you're not necessarily going for the. Uh, for the home runs as much. There's still an overall component that might convince you to maybe go for a few home runs. But I thought this was the better focus for what we're doing here. So that's why I went with the online championship. And as always, I'll include a link. You can set the ADP the same as you want. Follow along, give us your thoughts on it. But let's just start with the number one guy. And he was number one by 37 picks. So he like, he he, he had the biggest margin by more than our even threshold of what we were looking for here. He's got a 96 min pick and a 203 max pick, averaging about 171. And that's Yusei Kikuchi, someone we haven't really talked about this offseason. And I, I know the reason right off the top is that, Nick, you and I, we really like to see pitchers that we, that we really want to talk about and give firm opinions on. And the fact is, we really just we haven't seen Kikuchi. So we don't have a whole lot to go off of. And we're both going to be tempered in, in our thoughts on somebody like that coming over. That said, we're getting another arm over uh, from Asia. We've had some a lot of strong imports recently, and so I do think he deserves some attention. He came, comes over. He's going to go to the Mariners. Uh, he's gotten lots of lots of different comps. Uh, I think Alex Wood was one that really stood out to me that uh, that Jeff Zimmerman did. Yeah, and so I thought that there was some interest there. We see that the market doesn't really know what they want to do with, with Yusei Kakuchi. Where are you currently with Kikuchi and, and refresh us where he ranked for you as well?
1: For me, he ranked at 42. Okay. Uh, I could see that farther back at 50. I completely understand the, the gap here uh, in uh, NFL drafts. Yeah, I do. Drafts. Too. I do uh, too. And as you mentioned, we don't really know what to expect at this point, and that's really frustrating. At the end of the day, for me, he did feel like some other guys that we're going to mention, uh, like Keikel and Hamels. Uh, or maybe even Gaussman, but just a little bit better, a little bit of a higher upside as far as his strikeout ability goes. So that, for me, considering, I mean, you call it the glob, uh, there's the sea of mediocrity, whatever you want to call it, around uh, mm. 50 and later, Kikuchi seemed like a slightly better option or safer one um, than the rest. But yeah, we don't we don't really know. It's it's apparently a really good slider. A uh, solid velocity, not upper 90s, but m- low to maybe even mid when he's reaching back uh, is what I've heard. And, and two decent options after that as well. So it does seem like your innings eater, guys. Seattle is very much in a position to just let him go as well. So if you're in a quality start league, Kikuchi actually could be a solid option there. Uh, But I think some people are just scared completely. And I understand yeah. that too. Uh, I don't think this is an Igawa situation. Uh, Exactly.
0: And that's kind of been, you know. Uh, he's years ago now Keaagawa coming over to the met uh, to the yankees excuse me and arguably the worst one the worst uh import we've had either returning from asia like like a miles Michaelis, colby lewis or coming over for the first time like so many others mm-hmm. kenta Maeda, um, you darvish etc et et i don't have time to name all of them we get a few every <laughs> year it seems
1: right
0: in addition to the alex wood that i mentioned there were kind of three guys that that jeff honed in on for the minor league equivalencies uh, that that kind of came out for Kikuchi. It was Jose Quintana, Alex Wood, Kyle Freeland, sort of, sort of glob of, sure, of yeah. player there, and that kind of made a lot of sense to me with respect to what we might be able to expect out of Kikuchi. I've got him 58th, just a little bit of that unknown, a little bit of uh, not being on a, on a great team either. I don't love what the Mariners are doing over there, so that's kind of what I that's kind of what I landed on, given that I don't have a great feel for right. for what I've got no. with Kikuchi. The best I've seen is some clips in like the Jeff Sullivan piece. So I don't really sure. know what to do.
1: You know, I would actually uh, – well, there's an interesting discussion I think at least about is being on Seattle good or bad for Kikuchi.
0: Well, you mentioned the positive the positive point about the inning.
1: Right. I have to feel he's going to get a longer leash because he's in Seattle. There isn't mm-hmm. that absurd bullpen waiting to, to jump in, which makes me think that he'll go longer than most. Uh, at the same time, you're definitely right about – how many wins is that team going to get? And uh, But then again, there's Safeco. And the fact that he gets to play against the Rangers a lot. Or, uh, the, the meet, I guess, middling angels are we okay on the on i think offense? their lineup's pretty decent yeah, right <laughs> i actually think that you know i don't
0: know that you're necessarily psyched to face it. anytime you got sure. trout of course you don't want to and uh, this assumes when otani gets back by the way to it it does take right. a little bit of a hit with otani out because then i think you have to play Pujols at, at the dh spot and bore at first but ideally when Otani's up and running uh pool is out more often than not and you're looking at a bore otani in the middle of the lineup there uh so yeah i i think it's a pretty solid lineup there's not a ton of walkovers there. We'll see what happens with Oakland on the rebound after last year's excellence. Yeah. I suspect that they'll be pretty solid, too, top to bottom. So it's not an easy division, but it's not something that you're automatically running yeah, away exactly. from the other pitchers. Even Houston is is very, very good and, and difficult. But one team being excellent does right. not make me run the other so, way. So
1: if it's a quality start league, then you're not worried about the wins. Yes. Uh, so then it definitely is a positive for me just because I think he's going to go longer. And wins. Good. Then I understand the argument. Okay, he might not get the most run support. That means that even if he's in the game longer, then he won't get twelve plus wins or whatever you're expecting. Uh, so uh, the interesting discussion there. But uh, so yeah. he winds
0: up here as the forty eighth starter, and you said you had him ranked forty eighth.
1: I have him actually at forty two. Believe it or not, forty
0: two. So so you're a little bit uh, higher than maybe his one seventy ADP based on where all these pitchers go. Right. Um, The 42nd pitcher, just for the sake of argument here, was uh, Cole Hamels, who I'm going to talk about later, <laughs> that's, that's going at, at an ADP of 161. So maybe that's a round where you're kind of feeling better for Kikuchi. But uh, let's let's transition there. That, that was a segue that we didn't even <laughs> plan because Cole Hamels is our next guy that's on the wild. list. He's got a 56-point differential with the high of 134 and a low of 190, again, averaging out to that 161 there in these 10 drafts as the 42nd pitcher. Let's get your, let's get your initial thoughts here on Cole Hamels. After going over to uh, Chicago, really turning around this season, he was brutal right. with Texas. He looked great. He is going to be 35, though. So what are we expecting from a 35-year-old Cole Hamels um, now with the Cubs for a full season?
1: what's uh what's really interesting too is 42 rank of Hamels 48 of Kikuchi and they're only separated in ADP by 10 spots I mean a full round right so exactly. this is very much of a very close uh, close situation between the two i have it actually pretty much flipped i have Hamels i think at 50 i think that's correct Uh, 51 Okay. And I actually like him more than the others of Lester Keichel, uh, Gaussman, et cetera, of The guys I kind of call the ratio Toby's uh, Quintana's in there too. <laughs> and I, uh, and Hamels, well, okay, the thing that I love is that he has a 12% swing strike rate again, he it dropped underneath 10% for the first time in his career in 2017. And Hamels brought that back up to 12% in 2018. That's great. His cutter got better in Chicago, and he's also removed from Texas, which means that in Arlington, you know, obviously a ton of home runs, and he had that 1.4 homer per nine. Well, that did fall a lot when he came to Chicago, so that is a positive there, no doubt. I don't know if he's going to have a, an ERA better than 3.7. Maybe he had a 3.78 last year, and that includes his time with Texas. You're hoping for a 3.6, 3.7 from him. Hoping that 23% K rate sticks around and hoping that he can do a 1.25 whip. I feel like that is the ceiling, pretty much. I know a lot of people will say, "Oh, he had that time with the with the Rangers and then he came over to Chicago and was better." Let's just expect the time in Chicago. He uh, can't do that, he, he, right? And also, he's not getting younger. He's he's 35. Yeah. I know that's a little bit ageist, but I don't think that his skill set speaks so much to being okay through age. That I, uh, I mean, you're really hoping for. Pretty much a repeat of that 378 ERA and 1.26 whip, if not like something better.
0: Yeah, I would I would think that that's where you want to put a projection for Cole Hamels uh, and, and kind of work from there. And if you do get something better because he carries on a lot of what he did with Chicago over the course of a full season, great. But don't take a guy's best 76 innings and just extrapolate. We, we, right. we caution against doing that, of course. So basically, I think you have him around later. So you're you're closer to the 190, it seems.
1: You know, it's it's really funny. I even write this. I mean, again, you have to understand. For NFBC, it's a little bit differently. I, I'm about to do the uh, the the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and I have to adjust my rankings a bit because that's a 15 teamer, and it works a little bit differently than your standard 12 teamer. No doubt. Uh, but for 12 teamers, I even wrote this mini tier of Hamels, unless they're saying, look, if you need something more stable, if that's just the, what you do, fine. This is where you do it. I'm not. I'm going to go after Michael Fulmer, who have it 53, before Hamels and Lester, but I understand the importance for some to have it, so fine, this is when I would do that if I were to have that approach. Uh, So I'm okay with Hamels, and I understand why he has a bit of volatility, because some will want that stability, and some will just usher it aside as they go for your Josh James and your Joe Musgrove, etc., Yep. So You'll find it, that, a, an
0: ageist room, we'll push him down to that 190, whereas uh, a room that that either has a couple or or even just one, somebody who likes veterans, that's how that one thirty-four happens, which I don't think is egregious. I agree. Someone can do it, but for me and you, we push a little bit closer to this ADP or worse for Cole Hamels.
1: Yeah, I mean I I like again, I like him more than Lester. I like him more than Keiko, I like him more than Gaussman, I like him more than the other names he's associated with because of that 12% swing strike rate. And Mm -hmm. I think he can keep a whip underneath 130 and should have an E-ray under four. Relative to Kikuchi, why I have him above, I just feel that Kikuchi can do exactly what Hamels did, but has a little bit of a higher ceiling too.
0: Yeah. Uh, So... I've got Hamels at 41, so I'm pretty close to this ADP, or, or at least to this ranking, not necessarily the ADP, but uh, yeah. So I'm not quite at the 134, but I'm around that 160 to, to 175 range for, works for me with Cole Hamels. Let's move on to th- this next one here, who is probably the most volatile of the three we've talked about just because of what we've seen throughout Nathan Eovaldi's career. Uh, he's also in this – In this range with Kikuchi and Hamels, he's a little bit higher, though. So we're kind of moving up the ladder before we jump down with our next guy. He's at 39, and Hamels was the 42nd pitcher off the board. So 156 ADP on average for Ivaldi, ranging from 142 to 189. And again, you can understand the volatility because of um, just the volatility of his career just throughout all of it, the you know brief time with the Dodgers, he came up with them, but then didn't spend a lot of major league time. Goes to the Marlins, then Yankees, but then last year's breakout season, split between between the Rays and Red Sox, with a great capper in the playoffs, has drummed up some excitement. I like what Eovaldi's done with his arsenal. I think the strikeouts are actually here to stay and could even improve. That's that's what really draws me in. Yeah. I understand the innings concern, one hundred percent, but we're just in an era where that. You don't have to be as worried about that because the the no hardly anyone's throwing you know two twenty plus and there hardly there aren't even that many throwing two hundred so if you're at one forty, you're actually in a pretty decent range whereas back in the day five six seven years ago one forty i mean that that was bad like you just didn't have enough yeah, volume right. unless you were just super elite during those one forty so I've got them thirty seventh I like what Ivaldi can do. Yes, he's in Boston and yes, it's the AL beast, but I'm betting on on the stuff here. I'm gonna take my innings gamble and uh, hopefully I pair him up with some other guys that that do have some innings, but I'm not gonna be afraid of what Ivaldi does, even though I am coming in expecting something like one forty, which is which is a low number. But I, I lean closer to the higher end of, of where Ivaldi's going at that one forty two because that would put him uh that would put him among pitchers that'd be just a couple spots up to 36 because it's another tight band there, and that's around J-Hap, U-Darvish. So I like Nathan Evaldi. Where do you come out on Ivaldi on right now?
1: I mean, pretty close to where they have him. It's 39 rank right now. I have Evaldi at 41. Yep, so you're right there. Uh, it's, it's right there. I, I see someone like Andrew Heaney going a little bit after, and I, I think his ceiling is a bit higher uh, with a better, with a better guarantee for innings. More volume, but... I totally agree but I but with Evaldi, you you hit the nail on the head that you see that twenty two percent k rates, and we think, oh, he could do more than a strike at per inning, which would be around like twenty five percent or so I, I definitely believe that considering that Cutter moves so well and he's able to tunnel that with so his nice. with his forcing and it's kind of funny when we talk about tunneling, I think one of the things that is is not mentioned a lot is the fact that hitters can tell a lot with the pitches. Even if they're on the same plane, they see the spin of it, they see the hump of it, everything. But with four seamers and cutters, it's a little bit different. And he does it very effectively where a four seamer and cutter, the cutter will not have that hump. Uh, it's going to be a little bit labor break and not as apparent of a spin like it would be a slider. So it can be harder to pick out that tunneling. And yes, it isn't as drastic movement, but he does it very well. He's finally able to move his force seamer away from the middle of the zone to actually up, which means he doesn't need to get strikes with it since his cutter is doing that job for him. Uh So very good. I, I I see that 11% swing strike rate. I think it can go higher. I think that it can go closer to 12%. The only negative I have that I think will prevent him from going deep into games is the fact that his third and fourth options are still so inconsistent. That slider right. and split finger, they have their moments. But they aren't enough to make me buy into a consistent quality start machine, And uh, which is unfortunate because number one and number two are so good. It's just ah, he needs one more real strong asset. You're right. And and teams,
0: again, he's 29 years old. He's been around for a decent while. They know what they're getting uh, with Nathan Evaldi. We have 850 major league innings. So I think the Red Sox will be attuned to that to where unless a third pitch really develops as a winner – if that slider or splitter does not become a, a consistent winner to get that third time through. And I think it could be either of them, or maybe they alternate too. There is a scenario where, you know, the sliders working one day, the splitter the other day, as opposed to one, just really jumping up. But as it stands right now, it's hard to rely on the slider has been volatile throughout his career. And the splitter isn't even something that he's had throughout his entire career. He kind of had uh circle and straight change ups in the past, then went to the splitter. It's okay but it's not reliable. I agree with you. That's Nathan Yavaldi. Let's move on to the next guy, somebody I've definitely loved in the past. And I'm surprised I'm not so keen on him this year because he's out of a, a danger zone. Uh, you know, pitching in Baltimore, not just the park, but their development of pitching has been so brutal in years past that that started to turn me off the players that I did even like there, including Kevin Gosman who, you know, I've remained faithful to for many years. He gets traded now to Atlanta. He did have a little spike with them, but we know that. The skills didn't exactly back it up. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, finally he gets out of Baltimore, he puts up a 287 ERA, 114 whip. His skills were actually a little bit worse. The strikeout minus walk went from 14 to 11%. Swinging strike rate stayed at 11% though. And that was was a career high last year. I still like what Kevin Gosman can do for an entire year. And I do wonder if age 28 is going to be the breakout. So while I only have him –
1: at uh let me
0: see 50th I think um Kevin Gausman where are you good sir
1: I have I have Gausman at Ooh. 74
0: Yeah I have him 69th so I am I am not so keen on him and if this continues to hold with the draft market you and I aren't going to get him cuz he's 50th 185 ADP a range of 169 to 216 now that 216 would put us back in line with that 47 point difference there is a uh a, a, Big measure of volatility there, and we lean toward the lower end. Maybe maybe it's unfair to say what don't you like, but but what has you leaning toward the lower end of Gosman's sure. range going into a full year with Atlanta at age 28?
1: So, so I mean, there's a lot of confusion as to what it should be expected. It's a 287 ERA in those 10 National League starts for, for Kevin Gaussman. That's great, and I think that's what people are really excited about. And it was cool to see that with an 11% swing strike rate. Here's, here's the problem that I have. And I, I think you're like this too, where we like to understand the repertoire of a pitcher and understand the core of what they offer and then ask where can they get better. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Let's, let's talk about Michaelis and say, I know, I see that slider. I think that can be better, et cetera. Now, Gaussman, you're going to say, Oh, he only had an 18% K rate during that time. Surely, you know, he just throws a splitter more because that slider is not very good. No. And he does, and all of a sudden everything's great. Well, the problem is that he, in that time, he threw his split finger about 32% of the time in that 18% strikeout rate, uh, of 10 starts. That's yeah, well, really concerning. What more can if, you do? Right. Well, how, how can I squeeze more out of Gaussman? Now I will say it did come with that 11% swing strike rate. We normally say the two to 2.5 times. Equals strikeout rate. So that's on the low side seeing 18%. That should be more like 22 or maybe to 25 And then you say, oh, okay, that could be an 8.5k per 9 and everything's wonderful. Yes, I uh, I, I, think he's just not... The Spliffinger is a put-away pitch that still has a 20% swing strike rate. But the problem is getting to that. And that's the problem is that he has this low strikeout rate because I believe that his fastball and his slider aren't good enough that they just put balls in play. Uh, prior to getting to those two strike counts, and then he has to execute it right. Yep. Uh, I wonder, I, I haven't done my research on this yet, but I am curious if Gaussman is throwing a split finger maybe earlier in counts or too early, maybe to try and get like an one count, or sorry, a 2 or 2-1, and to sneak a strike in there. That's often why we see changeups with high whiff rates not return the strikeout rate. There's a really good article about this recently, and I want to say it's Alex Chamberlain. Of course, it would be Alex Chamberlain. I was going to say,
0: Alex Chamberlain doing something awesome? That's no, it, yeah.
1: He, he was talking about how swing strike rates on certain pitches don't always translate to strikeouts. And that's yes. the case with change of specifically, which I would kind of group splitters into. Sometimes it's a split change and all that stuff. It's usually uh,
0: more more of a change of, change of pace pitch. Sometimes you can have a right. split finger fastball, but you're usually using it to dial down and, and keep like Ivaldi um, does.
1: Sure. So, uh, so you would want to see Gaussman use it at a two-strike pitch with him, and he doesn't have anything else. And that's the problem is I don't, I don't really see a strike up rating guy in the future here for Gaussman until there's something else that he's really strong offering, and that he can't really just go as four-seam split finger and then this bad slider. Uh, so I, 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 I don't really like this. I, I, I think that his, I mean, I don't think he's a four-e or a guy. He could be a three-seven. Three, could even be a three-five. But I don't think it's gonna come with the strikeout rate that we want. And it's gonna make it a little more dicey for us to go after Gaussman. Considering I mean, that's the ceiling, I think, that three five.
0: Whip always seems to run high too. Even even the two eight seven ran with a one fourteen and usually a sub-three ERA, if it's if it's kind of matching the skill set, so mm-hmm. to speak, it's a one ten or better whip. You know, a lot of times it's in that 1.0 something. So even the 114 there was a little, little suspect for for Gosman. So I totally understand the skepticism there. And like I said, I've got him down at 69th, which is normally nice, but not not quite as nice. What do you take? i him, 74.
1: I have him at 74. He's yeah. never had a hit per nine underneath
0: 8.5. And. <sighs> You know, he was at 7.5 with the Braves. If he can maintain that over a full year, that's going to be impressive. They've got a better defense, better park. But I will say the NL Easy is no longer such. You know, right. you got four teams going there. Yes, at least he's not on the Marlins, so he doesn't have to face all the tough teams. But you're not super geeked to go in the city. You're not yeah. you're not geeked at all to go into Citizens Bank or to Nationals Park. So that's Kevin Gosman. Let's move on to our next one here. And it is going to be Herman Marquez.
1: Which doesn't surprise me that there's volatility there.
0: Exactly. In fact, I I frankly would have been surprised on the other end. And he's got a (laughs) 54-point difference, which is sixth highest on this list. Now, again, we we picked three each with at least 30-plus. And to give you an idea of how many have 30-plus, there are 25 of the 75-pitcher pool that we use that have at least a 30-plus difference in their min pick and max pick. Um, so we you know, a, a whole third of the player pool here, and we picked three that we each wanted to discuss here. And so Marquez does make the list 54. He that's he's going as high as 51 and as low as 105. And in 84 ADP, he's the twenty-fifth pitcher. I've already preached some of my, my skepticism with him, and I will be honest, a lot of it is simply course field. Right. I know for some that feels like a cop-out because his stuff was so good in the second half. The park's undefeated, man. They they just <laughs> they just don't allow they just don't allow pitchers to find long-term success there. And it puts a major burden on what they have to do on the road to kind of keep pace because you can pitch well and still get hammered there from time to time. So One thing that one of the main reasons I wanted to bring him up, because we have certainly discussed him. But one of the main reasons I did want to bring up Herman Marquez is because you had one of your writers, Nick Gurley, who wrote a piece on him under the uh, Isn't Legit uh, series. And it talks about Herman Marquez's breakout. And he had some interesting findings. So I'm going to kind of let you summarize those and then give us your thoughts on where you have Marquez, because I've already been kind of known to be on the lower end. In fact, let me give my ranking of him right now. And again, it's not that I hate him. But I've got him thirty-fourth. And it was a great, 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 great second half. It was an awful first half though, right? So we all, we're not even, we don't have one season to the small sample size on it. We have a half. And so there's where my concerns are. Lay out what the other Nick found and then tell us what you, Nick, uh, feel about Mr. Marquez.
1: Yeah, Gurley wrote a really great piece about Herman Marquez here at Pitcher List. And I uh, I think the two cool parts of the article. I mean, there was a that's really cool. I think the two Aspects that are really cool about talking about approach with Marquez. So it's uh Marquez was one of the best at getting ahead at uh, of batters. He improved the most of any pitcher in the majors from the first half to the second half on getting ahead in counts, which is great. And you can also say, you know, that's getting aggressive early, but he's also getting aggressive late. That is, he dropped his fastball usage with two strikes significantly and then Really utilize that slider a ton with two strikes and like start putting away batters in a much better rate, which shouldn't surprise anybody that you want to throw a breaking ball, uh, with two strikes as opposed to heaters, especially mm-hmm. in cores where, you know, generally heaters don't, well, y- you want to essentially be more deceptive to miss the bat more often. I, uh, I, I don't know how I feel still. I, I kind of have him as a purgatory rank of 28 okay where it could be better it could be worse you know it's it's pretty much acknowledging both sides of it yeah you're basically in
0: between me and the market
1: right it's a you know you could say that if i ever really believe the marquez i would have in the top 20 if i don't believe in marquez i'd probably have him at the end of 30s if not early 40 so i'm at 28 where i recognize that both outcomes are possible and i don't really know what's going to happen because it's a small sample it's I believe it's, what, 17 starts that we're, we're uh, basing this off of? Yeah. We're seven of them. Only seven were in cores. Mm-hmm. So the, him being the quote-unquote Coors killer, well, I don't know because it's just seven starts. And that's not nearly enough for me to really uh, endorse a man thoroughly. Uh, and one of those, I should say, was 12 ba- base runners in six innings and 300 runs, but he did strike out 10. But still... It's just an interesting scenario where, yes, he did do things that improved his situation. He believed in his slider more, his kerbo more. Better at looking him down to the zone. His his pitch mix was different. All of that stuff. And it did work for him then. It, we just have to wait and see and see if it really works out. So, I, again, I understand the Marcus won't be aggressive at him because this could be a top 20, if not top 15 arm that is in there. But you can also – you have to draft him at a point where you're sacrificing a lot more stability, and I don't know if I'm going to be the one going after that.
0: The thing with Marquez at this draft cost is he needs to perform.
1: Well, right. Exactly. There's
0: not a lot of wiggle room if he does fall back, and even in his dream season, he went 377-120, and I, and I granted it was a tale of two halves where he was, uh, you know, brutal in the first half, but and great in the second half. And there were, there were approach and stuff changes that fostered that second half, but it's not large enough for me to, to say that this is now definitely who Marquez is and that I shouldn't worry about him going forward. I'm going to continue to worry about him and I can't quite draft him here. Um, because that ballpark too, because if it isn't him and there is wobbliness for Marquez, that ballpark's going to eat him up because it does it to everybody. And it's base hits falling in because of the very spacious outfield. And of course the thin air can send the ball over the yard a bit. Everyone's, you know, uh, at a higher rate as well, which he's had Homer issues before, particularly in 17 when he was at 1.4 and even last year when he was at 1.1. So I just won't have Marquez shares this year. And I understand you know, I might be missing out, but it's a bet I'm willing to take on the uh, on the avoid side. Mm-hmm. This next guy, our last guy here, needs a team. He can't <laughs> even find a team right now. Uh, one of the nice middle middle of the market chips fell today with uh, Michael Mustakis. I don't know why I called him Michael. He doesn't go by that at all. I like but, that uh, though. Michael with, Moose. with Michael Moose going back to Milwaukee. But we still have a lot of mid-range guys. And Dallas Keuchel finds himself in that range as well. He's actually tied for the third highest gap here. It's Kikuchi at one. Josh James at 70. No surprise there. Again, talking about volatility and, and an unknown. Uh, Marquez's teammate, Cal Freeland at 66. And Josh James's former teammate, at least for now. They could bring him back, I guess. But I don't think they're going to bring Keuchel back. Uh, Keuchel also tied at 66. one ninety. Average draft position, 157 min, 223 high. I've got Keuchel higher than that for sure. Um, oh, wait. He's the 52nd pitcher off the board. Where do I have him? I think I have him actually right around that. I have him at Yeah, 51. Okay, so – okay, I'm going to let you start then. I got – I'm pretty <laughs> much matching the market. I've got Keiko 51st. I'm fine with him. I don't really he, – he's one of those guys that you rank and maybe I don't – Maybe I should go back and change some of these or or investigate some of these. It's a rank that I make and I'm fine with. If people hold my feet to the fire and say, you had him 51st and he ended up 80th, you got it wrong. Okay, got it. I don't probably do as much studying on a guy like this. I kind of slot him where it's where I feel it's fair, but I'm not taking him because of all the guys around him that I have. I've right. got Maeda, Musgrove, Nelson, Alex Wood, uh, Ryu, Anibal Sanchez, Skaggs. James, Fulmer, I think there's so many around him that I never get Keiko. Yep. But you got him down to 73. So talk to us about that. You're definitely on this high end of, of that max pick of 220, what did I say it was, 223. So talk to us about Keiko and, and what your feelings are with him this year.
1: My biggest concern with Keiko, I mean, I should mention, you know, this all is ignoring the fact that he was injured for two seasons prior to 2018, uh, mm-hmm. where he didn't hit 170 innings. But hey, you know what? He did 205 last year. So hats off to him there. I, I don't like the fact that his swing strike rate dropped from 11% down to about 8.5% in 2018. That's very concerning. He struggled a ton uh, doing his own bread and butter, his own, his own blueprint to success, which is throwing at the bottom of the zone or right below it to get guys to swing at pitches that they don't want to actually swing at mm-hmm. and put balls in play. That they don't want to put in play. Uh, If you are looking at one game as a prime example. I've said this a lot. uh, It's the ALCS against the Yankees. I believe it was the first game. If not the second game of that uh, playoff game. You'll see the the strike zone plot. It's amazing. It's just all cluttered right at the bottom of the zone. You just can't even see the actual bottom line of the zone. There are just so many pitches there. And what really concerns me is that his slider dropped eight points in both O swing and seven points in uh, swing strike rate. Ooh. That's very concerning. Um, that means he's essentially just not having an effective breaker at the bottom of the zone like he used to. I don't like that <laughs> whatsoever. Strikeout rate dropped from 21.5% to 17.5% as a result. Hip and nine went up two points from 717 to 928. This is very concerning. At the same time, it's still a 3.74 ERA. Sure, <laughs> that's that's the why I have him at 73 as opposed to 74, 75, like the other uh, Tobys of Kevin Gaussman and Jose Quintana, guys that you're hoping to have that 3.75 ERA uh, and 125 WHIP. I I I just find it hard if he's not performing at that level that he's used to, and that is the uh, how he performed when he was successful. I can't buy into him coming close to repeating that 290 ERA or 112 whip. Now, I mean, close by, I don't see him having an ERA underneath 36. I just, I just don't really buy it because he just is, has lost this skill and maybe he gets it back. Uh, I think it's more likely that he doesn't have it. So I'm on the the lower end of it. I think he's kind of replaceable on the wire for uh, Kaiko Wall through the season
0: because he doesn't have the strikeout protection either, right? He never really has, except for the Cy Young year, which is why he won the Cy Young. He popped at 24%, but it's been 21-21-18 the next three years for Keuchel. Do you have an ideal and, you know, realistic? Obviously, we'd love him in some spacious ballpark or whatever, but do you have an ideal, but also potentially realistic landing spot for Keuchel of somebody who might be interested? We haven't even heard hardly any rumors. we heard some early ones that included Atlanta, but I, I don't know the last time I heard a Keiko rumor at this point, but where where I, would you like to see him? I'm land?
1: gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns here. Uh, I think I tweeted out like a month ago. Keiko belongs on the Mets. It's Ooh, they, that they, they kills Seth Vargas, Lugo, but
0: that that would that would work. Right? That would that work. It just
1: makes the most sense. It's also the mold of these like questionable veterans that the Mets own
0: right do. <laughs> They do they do love getting guys who were once elite. And they're they're still good, but they're certainly not their their elite level.
1: Right. Uh, now, do I expect them to? Not really. Okay. Uh, it's it's weird to me because I, I I feel the Mets really do need to sign a starter, especially considering their history of injured starters. Well, and their reluctance five right now,
0: and their reluctance to really want to go to Lugo. It seems I. I spoke highly of lugo in a piece recently and uh, a mets fan was outlining how they seem to not want to put him back in that role he said it was under the guise of trying to keep him healthy which i i take the the commenter at his word but for the mets that's been proven that that doesn't really keep you any healthier the bullpen yeah, versus, sure. versus starting. So they should just use the bullets where they're best deployed, which would be as a starter. But I, I feel you, that would actually be a decent one. The only other place, uh, the, so the three places that I've heard with any prominence outside mm-hmm. of you saying that the two rumors I've heard are Atlanta and Philly. So he seems like right, he might yeah. be headed to the AL or the NL East, which I wouldn't hate that fit for any of those three teams, except a little bit on, on uh, citizen's bank. Granted, he's one of the last guys that you're gonna have a major home run concern with for Keichel. But uh I, I don't know. You know, their defense has improved too, so hopefully he would reap the benefits of an improved right. defense. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, but his grand ball rate fifty four percent last year, which is the lowest since his rookie year. And
0: and starkly lower than it was in seventy yes. sixty seven yes. to fifty four.
1: And that's because he's not effectively throwing at the bottom of the zone. Ida wrote an article when uh Keiko started trying to go up for a moment. And he yeah, had like maybe a game or two success of during that. But it's not it's not the Keiko that you know that should work. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was someone trying something new because it wasn't working anymore, and that didn't last in the long run. So I don't know, I'm really concerned. I think he's concerned. I think the market is concerned. Yep. And uh that I mean, I mean, the market, the actual real-world market, and that also means that the, the fantasy market as well is concerned.
0: Yeah, if he was... I think if Keiko had the uh, confidence of the MLB market, he'd already be signed because it's pitching. People like to go out there right, and get yeah. that pitching. We saw Corbin drop quickly, so I, I agree with that, and that has me, like I said, staying away from Keiko. I am I might move him down in ranking, though, Just just doing a further deep dive... Because it's not one of those where it's disingenuous, where I would never take him. But there's so many guys around him that I yeah. just don't wind up with him. But sometimes I do make those ranks where I just put a guy somewhere, and I would literally never take them there. Keiko might be that. So I'm—I don't think it is, but I'm going to deep dive further. And maybe he needs to move down my next—my uh, next update. What we need to do, by the way, you mentioned Eno. We need to get him on a fireside and discuss yes. his picture oh, rankings. Oh, that'd
1: be so much fun.
0: He dropped his top 175. Over at The Athletic, you guys need to go check that out. It is – Eno and and um, Jake Seeley, several of their other fantasy guys are worth the, the subscription price alone. So I do recommend you guys take a look at that. Uh, you know, you're getting the free stuff over at Rotographs and Picture List. You know, throw a little coin their way at the Athletic and make sure you're still getting Enos. But I'll talk to him about getting him on and we can talk about uh, his rankings where we have disagreements with him and maybe get him to defend some of these things. Perhaps a little clev dog hate that he has <laughs> and some Bieber fever that he's feeling. But uh, yeah, that be a lot of fun. I appreciate you making time for me this weekend. Maybe we can jump on again later this week and kind of give him two firesides in one week.
1: Oh, that would be great. I'd love that.
0: All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you later, and I hope you have a good one.
1: I'll see you, sport.